Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everyone. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we praise you, Almighty God. Lord, we praise you, Most Holy One. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your name. Lord, we praise you, Almighty God. Lord, we praise you, Most Holy One. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. We thank you, Almighty God, for the word that's coming forth today. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you lead us in this word, in our lives, and help us to understand, Father, the word that you give us today. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to go with us as we sup with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you do in our lives each and every day. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This we pray in Jesus' name, Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen, everyone. Amen. Today, <clears throat> we're going to be reading from the book of Numbers. Uh, we left off about two days ago, and uh, we're going to pick up today in chapter 7. So let's get started without further ado, okay? And it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle and had anointed it and sanctified it. And all the instruments thereof, both the altar and all the vessels thereof, and had anointed them and sanctified them. That the princes of Israel, heads of the house of their fathers, who were the princes of the tribes, and were over them that were numbered, offered. Okay, now remember when we left off the other day, the Lord told Moses to go out and number literally all the Israelites. And that's a lot of work. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But not only the people, 
okay? Not just the children, the wives, and the husbands, and so forth. But he had them number the animals as well. Okay, <clears throat> now they're anointing. Um, let's move on to chapter 7-3. And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered wagons and 12 oxen a wagon for two of the princes and for each one an ox and they brought them before the tabernacle and the lord spake unto moses saying take it of them that they may be to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation and thou shalt give them into the the levites to every man according to his service. So now the people were paying the Levites for the services that they were going to perform. And the four wagons and the oxen And Moses took the wagons and the oxen and gave them unto the Levites. The two wagons and the four oxen he gave unto the sons of Jershon, according to their service. And four wagons and eight oxen he gave unto the sons of Moriah, according unto their service. Under the hands of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the priest. <coughs> But unto the sons of Kohath, he gave none. Now, why is that? Well, because the service of the sanctuary belongs unto them, was that they should bear upon their shoulders. Okay. That was their reward because they themselves literally were working with God. They didn't need to be rewarded by the people. They were going to be taken care of by the Lord. And <clears throat> the princess offered for a dedication of the altar in the day that it was anointed. Even the princess offered their offerings before the altar. And the Lord said unto Moses, they shall offer their offerings each prince on his day for the dedication of the altar. And he that offered his offering the first day was Nashon, the son of Amadab of the tribe of Judah. Now, you would think <clears throat> that this is the way it should go. <clears throat> Bear with me today. I've got a cold. Okay. Um, remember the setup. Remember how they set up their tents? Who was the first tribe? Judah. Judah's the first tribe on the right. So naturally, they're going to come forth and give their offering first. And his offering was one silver charger. The weight thereof was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 60 shekels, 
after the shackles of the sanctuary. Both of them were full of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering. One spoon of ten shackles of gold full of incense. One young bullock, one ram, one lamb of the first year for a burnt offering. One kid of the goat for a sin offering. And for a sacrifice of peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs of the first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Amadon. And on the second day, Nathaniel, the son of Zur, prince of Ishka, did offer. He offered for his offering one silver charge. Now, we're going to keep reiterating the same um, amount from each one. Remember, there's 12 tribes. So, rather than read this 12 times, which I've done before, I am going to basically read this one and each group thereof. So we can come on past this. This is quite long and it's reductive. Okay. Um, (laughs) Anyone knows this, read this. It's, you know, pretty much the same thing over and over again. Okay. So he offered for his offering a silver charger the weight thereof, and was 130 shekels, one silver bowl of 70 shekels, after his shekel of the sanctuary, both of them, full of fine flour mingled with oil for a meat offering, one spoon of gold, 10 shekels full of incense, one young bullock, one ram, one lamb of the first year for a burnt offering, one kid of goat for a sin offering. And for the sacrifice of peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five he goats, five lambs of the first year. And this was the offering of Nabatil, the son of Zur. Now, again, on the third day, Elap, the son of Heam, a prince of the children of Zebulun, did offer, offered the same thing. Okay, that was on the third day. Okay, we're going to go down now. And we're going to go to 30. On the fourth day, Elazur, the son of, Shid, uh, of Shidura, prince of the children of Reuben, did offer the same offering. Okay, we're going to go down again. for the fifth day. Thirty-six. On the fifth day, Shilamel, the son of Zurishadai, prince of the children of Simeon, 
did offer the same offering, okay? Again, 42 on the sixth day, Elisaph, the son of Duel, the prince of the children of Glad, offered the same offering, okay? We're going to go down. All right, let's see. Okay, 60 on the ninth day. Okay, we did Benjamin. All right, let's go back. And we're on the 10th now. The 10th day is 66. Uh, on the 10th day, Ahisser, Ahisser, the son of Amishada, prince of the children of Dan. Okay, they're giving the same offering. Uh, 72, on the 11th day, Pagel, the son of Akron, prince of the children of Asher. Okay, this is their tribe. They're going to offer the same. And we got one more. Okay, 78. On the 12th day, Ahara, the son of Ina, prince of the children of Napatili, offered the same offering. And that is your 12 tribes. Okay, 84. This was the dedication of the altar in the day when it was anointed by the prince of Israel. Twelve charges of silver, twelve silver bowls, twelve spoons of gold. Each charge of silver weighed at 130 shekels. Each bowl, 70. All the silver vessels weighed 2,400 shekels. And after the shekels of the sanctuary. The golden spoons were 12, full of incense, weighing 10 shekels apiece after the shekels of the sanctuary. All the gold of the spoons was 120 shekels. All the oxen for the burnt oxen were 12 bullocks, the rams 12, the lambs of the first year 12, with their meat offerings, and the kids of the goats for the sin offerings 12. And all the oxen for the sacrifice of peace offerings were twenty and four bullocks, the rams sixty and he goats sixty, the lambs of the first year sixty. This was the dedication of the altar. After that, it was anointed. Okay. And when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of congregation to speak with them, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from afar 
are off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubims, and he spanked unto him. Okay, and now we're going to enter into chapter 8. And the Lord spanked unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, and say unto him, When thou lightest the lamps, and the seven lamps shall give light over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so. He led the lamps thereof over against the candlestick, as the Lord commanded Moses. And this work of the candlestick was of beaten gold. And unto the shaft thereof, and unto the flowers thereof, was beaten work. And according unto the pattern which the Lord had shown Moses, so he made the candlesticks. And the Lord spanked unto Moses, saying, Take the Levites from amongst the children of Israel, and cleanse them. And thus shalt thou do unto them, to cleanse them, sprinkle water, and purify upon them, and let them shave all their flesh, and let them wash their clothes, and so make themselves clean. Then let them take a young bullock with his meat offering, even fine flour mangled with oil, and another young bullock shalt thou take for a sin offering. And thou shalt bring the Levites before the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt gather the whole assembly of the children of Israel together. And thou shalt bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall put their hands upon the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord for an offering of the children of Israel, that they may execute the service of the Lord. So basically, it was like the people themselves uh, were executing the, the Levites before the Lord, like they would their animals when they were going to sacrifice. They would bring the animals before the door and they would place the hand on the animal's head. Well, it was the same for the Levites. They would place the hand on the Levites and give the Levites over to God rather than, you know, sacrifice. But pretty much it was the same routine. And the Levites shall lay their hands upon the heads of the bullocks, okay? And thou shalt offer the one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering unto the Lord to make the atonement for the Levites. Now, if you can imagine the people's hands on the heads of the Levites and the Levites' hands on the heads of the sacrifice, okay? And thou shalt set the Levites before Aaron and before his sons and offering them for an offering unto the Lord. Thus shalt thou separate the Levites from amongst the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. You see, that was the purpose of it. And after that shall the Levites go in to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, and thou shalt cleanse them and offer them for an offering. For they are holy, given unto me from amongst the children of Israel. Instead of such an opening every womb, even instead of the firstborn of all the children of Israel, have I taken them unto me. Not only did he take the firstborn 
of everything. But the Levites were solely his as well. We went over this before. For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine, both men and beast. Okay. On the day that I smoked every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified them for myself. And I have taken the Levites for all the firstborn of the children of Israel. And I have given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and to his sons for amongst the children of Israel to do the services of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation and to make an atonement for the children of Israel, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come nigh unto the sanctuary. Now, we talked about this the other day. One of the groups of Levites um, that they have found out, uh, I won't say recently because they've known this for years, at least the people did. Uh, here in the Western uh, Hemisphere, okay, I should say basically here in the United States, a lot of people were not aware until, I'd say, the last five years, perhaps, that um, the Levites are not, you know, most of them are not in Israel, like a lot of people seem to think. Uh, much of the Levite tribe is located in Haiti. Think about it. Uh, your Haitian uh, people in uh, are very religious people, various backgrounds, and they're very uh, religious. Now, the problem with Haiti is Haiti swings back and forth. It goes between God and the adversary, unfortunately. And because of it, uh, Haiti has suffered tremendously uh, lossage of people, uh, land, because of the storms. And those storms are not, <laughs> they're not all natural as people seem to think. Some of those storms are brought on because of the things that were transpiring in Haiti. Um, at one point, they had a leader who literally downcasted God and anything to do with God. Uh, and he literally turned the nation uh, into a uh, satanic uh, worshiping place. And we, many of us know that right after that, there was a huge, huge um, storm that washed out and caused much havoc to Haiti. But again, if you look at the history of Haiti, you'll find out that that's where many of your Levites are. And this is no strange thing when it comes to the Levites, because as we begin to read about the Levites, we'll find that the Levites uh, did a lot of backturning towards God uh, in the scriptures. So this is not something new. Okay, we're going to get into that some more, but let's continue on with today's word. All right. Um, and 18, and I have taken the Levites from all the firstborn of the children of Israel, and I have given the Levites as a gift 
to Aaron and to his sons from the service of the children of Israel in the tabernacle of the congregation and to make an atonement for the children of Israel, that they be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come nigh unto the sanctuary. And Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites according unto all the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so did the children of Israel unto them. And the Levites were purified, and they were washed in their clothes. And Aaron offered them as an offering before the Lord. And Aaron made an atonement for them to cleanse them. And after that went the Levites in to do their service in the tabernacle of the congregation before Aaron and before his sons. As the Lord had commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, This is it that be, belongeth unto the Levites from twenty and five years old and upwards. They shall go in to wait upon the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And from the age of fifty years, they shall cease waiting upon the service thereof and shall serve no more. So they literally started at the age of 25, and by the time they reached 50, they stopped. So that's 25 years of service to the Lord. Um, but shall minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge and shall do no service thus shall thou do unto the Levites uh, touching their charge. So once they were finished, they were still in the tabernacle aiding their brothers who were actually working. So if, there, if a question arised about something that needed to be done that the younger men didn't know, they were the ones that would guide them and tell them what to do. That was their duty as the older Levite who had now retired, okay? All right, now we're going into chapter 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month of the second year. And after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel also keep the Passover at his appointed season. In the fourteenth day of this month at Eve, ye shall keep it in his appointed season, according to all the rites of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof shall ye keep it. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover. Okay? Uh, again, is another uh, issue. This now, in the last, again, I'll say about five or six years here in the United States, people have realized the importance of Passover. Uh, before that, people really did not uh, celebrate Passover. They celebrated Easter. But now the reality has begun to sink in uh, how important Passover is because 
when you read the scriptures, you read Passover. You don't read Easter. Easter is not mentioned anywhere in the scriptures. Easter is a holiday that was made up again by commercialism, just like Christmas was. Okay? Has nothing to do with God. Um, so, however, like most things, okay, man-made or we should say the adversary, he has his hand dipped in that. Um, it's always right on top of the, um, it's always right on top of the holy days. And this is the beginning of the holy days, okay? And they keep the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at even in the Ye shall keep it in his appointed season, according to all the writs of it, and according to all the ceremonies thereof shall ye keep it. And Moses spake them to the children of Israel, that they should keep the Passover. And they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the 15th month, and even in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all the, the Lord had commanded Moses to do, did the children of Israel. And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of man, that they should not keep the Passover on the day. And they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day. And those men said unto him, We are defiled by the dead body of the man. Wherefore we are we kept back, that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season amongst the children of Israel. And Moses said unto the men, stand still and I will hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Okay, so the Lord is basically telling them, don't do anything. Let me refer back to God and find out what it is that uh, we're to do. As you can see, this is a good example today. We should be referring back to God when we're not sure about certain things. When we have problems and why are we going to other people? Why are we going to man to ask him? No, we're supposed to be going to God. He's showing you here the example. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens. And the Lord spanked unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel, saying, if any man of you or of your prosperity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or be in a journey afar off, yet ye shall keep the Passover unto the Lord. So no matter what the situation is, we're to keep the Passover, okay? Whether somebody's dead, whether we're journey, whether we're taking a vacation, it does not matter. You're still supposed to keep Passover. The 14th day of the second month at even, they shall keep it and eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. And they shall leave none of it unto the morning, nor break any bones of it. According to all the ordinances of Passover, they shall keep it. But the man that is clean and is not in a journey and forbearance is kept uh, and forbear to keep the Passover. Even the same soul shall be cut off from amongst his people because he brought not the offering of the Lord in his appointed season. That man 
shall bear his sin. So this is why it is so important. Okay. If you do not, you will be cut off. Meaning, after Passover time, you start having problems. Things start going awry in your household with your family members. This is why. Because you did not keep the Passover. Now, I'm not talking to people who don't believe in God. Okay? And I don't think anybody that's listening to this podcast is someone who doesn't believe in God. If not, if so, you're learning. Okay? But for those of you who do know, this is to let you know how important Passover is. It wasn't until about six years ago that people here in the United States started taking Passover seriously enough to start uh, to start celebrating Passover. Most people were celebrating Easter. If I remember back as a child, there were very few people um, doing Passover except those who proclaimed to be uh actual Jews, okay? Nowadays, we realize from studying the scriptures that Jewish people are scattered all over the world and they're made of various groups and nationalities, okay? And so people who don't think they're Jewish, if they go back far enough, they will find their ancestral groups, okay? However, those of us who believe, we are already grafted in, okay? You're already taken in, and you're part of the family. You're part of the kingdom. And so you should be celebrating Passover. If you're not, then you need to seriously think about doing it, okay? All right, um, let's move on. 14, and if a stranger shall sojourn among you, and will keep the Passover unto the Lord according to the ordinance of Passover, and according to the manner thereof, so shall he do. Ye shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and for him that was born in the land. So if someone comes to visit you from afar, whether it's family or friends, whether they know about this or they don't, you should invite them. Come, have Passover with us. Join us. This is a celebration. This is why if you go into a Jewish man's house, he will tell you, come, we're celebrating. And they'll perform Passover with you because this is the ordinance of God. Okay? You step into my home. That's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be ushered in. We're going to say, come, join us for Passover. Okay? All right, let's move on. And on the day that the tabernacle was reared up and the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony, and that even there was upon the tabernacle as it were the appearance of fire until the morning. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, then after that, the children of Israel journeyed, and in the place where the cloud abode, and there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed, and at the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. 
And as long as the cloud abode upon the the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. Um, I I have to apologize, everyone. Um, We're having our floors done here. And so you're going to hear a lot of banging and the men are working out there. But praise God, we are getting uh, our floors done. (laughs) Okay, let's continue. And when the cloud tarried long upon the tabernacle many days, then the children of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and journeyed not. And so it was when the cloud was a few days upon the tabernacle, according to the commandment of the Lord, they abode in their tents, and according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And so it was when the cloud abode from even until the morning, and that the cloud was taken up in the morning. Then they journeyed, whether it was by day or by night, that the cloud was taken up, they journeyed. Or whether it were two days or a month or a year, that the cloud tarried upon the tabernacle, remaining thereon, the children of Israel abode in their tents and journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. And the commandment of the Lord, they they rested in the tents. And at the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. And they kept charge of the Lord at the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Okay? All right. Now we're going to get into chapter 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Make thee two trumpets of silver. A whole piece shall thou make them that thou mayest use them for calling of the assembly and for the journeying of the camp. And when they shall blow with them, all the assembly shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, I just want to say this very quickly. During Passover, during the high holy days, they, you will hear them blow the sh- uh, the shofar, the shofar, okay? This is the reason for the shofar, okay? They're explaining to you here what the shofar is all about. It's a call to duty, to stand, okay? Let's continue. Three, and when they shall blow with them, all the assemblies shall assemble themselves to thee at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, anybody that's ever been in a synagogue or a Jewish community, okay, as I have many a times, um, you will see this happen. People will be sitting and they'll blow the chauffeur and everyone comes to attention. Everyone is standing, okay? Uh, and if they blow... But with one trumpet, then the princes, which are heads of thousands of Israel, shall gather themselves unto thee. And when ye blow an an alarm, then the camp that lie in the east part shall go forward. When ye blow an alarm the second time, then the camp that lie on the south side shall take their journey, and they shall blow an alarm for their journeys. But when the congregation is to be gathered together, ye shall blow 
but ye shall not sound an alarm. Okay. And the sons of Aaron and the priests shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Generations. Notice generations, not one generation, but generations, meaning forever. Okay. And if ye go to war in your land against the enemy that opposes you, then ye shall blow an alarm when the trumpets and ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and he shall be saved for from your enemies. Now, remember now when they went to war, I, I really have to hand it to them because these were very strong people. They had their instruments on their side, but at the same time, they had their war weapons on the other side. Yeah. Okay. Um, let that sink in for a minute. Because <laughs> they weren't lightweight pieces. We're talking about heavy pieces. This is a one full piece of silver that they're holding on their side, not to mention their, their choice of weapons, weaponry that they use to fend off their, their enemies, okay? Okay. Now, uh, Nine, and if ye go to war in your land against the enemies that opposes you, then ye shall blow an alarm with the trumpets, and ye shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and ye shall be saved from your enemies. Ten, also in the days of your gladness, and in your solemn days, and in the beginning of your month, ye shall blow with the trumpet over your burnt offering and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, that they may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass on the twelfth day of the second month, in the second year, that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle of the testimony, and the children of Israel took journey out of the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran. And they first took their journey according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. And in the first place went the standard of the camp of the children of Judah, and according to their armies, and over his host was Nashon, the son of Amadad. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Issachar was Napatil, the son of Zur. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Zebulun was Ebab and the son of Elon. And the tabernacle was taken down, and the sons of Gershon and the sons of Merai set forward bearing the tabernacle. Now notice the lineup. You have Judah, you have Issachar, and you have Napatel, okay? And then right after them, 
comes what? Comes the tabernacle. So the tabernacle follows in between the tribes. The first tribe, the most formidable, was Judah and uh, Judah Issachar and, and Judah Issachar and Naphtali. Okay, we know this when you read about them; they were very formative. But again, behind them were another group of formative tribes. Now let's let's read on after this. And the tabernacle was taken down with the children of Jershom and the sons of Moriah and set forward bearing the tabernacle. And the standard of the camp, Reuben, set forward according to their armies and over his hosts with Eleazar and the sons of Shadur. Now, Reuben, remember, Reuben's tribe was very formative because Reuben was the one that went and killed a whole town of people with his brothers. Remember, because they raped his sister and he was like, we're not having it because you uh, you raped our sister and you shamed her. You're not going to shame us like that. So he went in and first of all, he told the men that they would have to uh, castrate themselves in order to become part of them so that his sister could marry this guy. But they had no intention of their sister marrying him. They literally wiped out all the men in that town and took all the women as concubines and servants. So Reuben was a very formative tribe. So they're coming up right behind the tabernacle. You see, okay, now <laughs> let's let's see who follows Reuben. Uh <laughs> Uh, okay, the tabernacle was taken down, okay. And the standard camp, Reuben set forward, okay. 19, and over the host of the tribe of the children of Simeon. Simeon is his brother, and Simeon is just as bad as he is. Remember, Simeon was ruthless uh, even to, unto his father that, you know, his father had to shame him uh, because of what he did. So... And his father said him and Reuben both, uh, they were cut short on their, what they were to receive after their father passed because of what they had done. Okay, so now you have Simeon coming up behind Reuben. And over the, over the host of the tribe of the children of Simeon was Shilam, Shilamil, the son of Zerashadai. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Glad was Elasaphat, the son of Duel. Now, Glad was another one. Glad was known as, as the kicking donkey. You know, Glad will fight you until the, cloud, uh, the sun goes down and on into the next day. That's how Glad is. So we're talking about a very vengeful, formative tribe coming up behind the, the uh, tabernacle. You have your warriors in the front, Judah and, and uh, Issachar and Neptil. They're your warring tribes. But then behind the tabernacle, 
you have your vengeful fighters. They will kill you to the death. Not that Judah and the rest of them won't, no. But Judah and them had a particular um, skill set. They not only had to fight, but they had to bring forth the praise. When they moved out, Judah and Iskar and Nepetil were the ones that um, literally praised the Lord. They blew their horns as they went. So people in the area knew immediately that the Israelites are in our area or the Israelites are coming because of the sound. And they were fearful because they knew. Okay. All right. Now let's find out who comes behind this formative tribe. Um, let's see. Uh, And the Kohites set forward bearing the sanctuary, and the others did set up the tabernacle against their camp. And the standard of the camp of the children of Ephraim set forward according to their armies and over his host with Elishama, the son of Amahu. Okay. So you had the Kohites right behind them which is part of the Levite tribe. That should give you some idea about the Kohites. If they're, if they're traveling right behind, not the sanctuary, but they're traveling right behind the formative tribe that's behind the sanctuary, okay? And over the host of the tribe of the children of Mazenah was Gemul, the son of Pedashur. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Benjamin was Abaddon, the son of Gideoni. And the standard of the camp of the children of Dan set forward, which was throughout their host. And over his host was Asher, the son of Amishad. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Asher was Pegil, the son of Achan. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Naphtel was Ahira, the son of Enon. Okay, I said, uh, let me go back just a little bit. Uh, okay, uh, I made a mistake. It's not Naphtel, it's Issachar that followed the first group. Okay. All right, so notice the tribes that are following up at the end. These tribes are no joke either, okay? Each one of them has a painful history behind them of warring. Thus were the journeyings of the children of Israel according to their enemies when they set forward. And Moses said unto Hobah, the son of Rugal, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, okay? Now, a lot of people mistaken Moses' father-in-law as a man that was not of God. That's not true. <laughs> the Midianites knew exactly who God was. They just stayed away from him because they were, uh, they were afraid. 
And, but they knew that God was there and they knew he was holy. Remember, the Midianites' camps were right by Mount Sinai, okay? They lived right around God where he resided. So for years, they knew about him. But it wasn't until Moses came into the picture and you know, he stumbled along the camp, so to speak, running away from Egypt that he ran into God and God chose him to lead his people out of Egypt, okay? But meanwhile, this is his father-in-law who's already a priest. His father-in-law was a priest. He wasn't a nobody. He knew who God was, okay? All right, so let's continue on now. Uh, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you come thou with us and we will do the good for the lord hath spoken good concerning israel and he said unto him i will not go but i will depart to my own land and to my kindred so his father-in-law wouldn't go with him even though he offered him to go he wouldn't go with him he he you know said he's going to stay there why he knows at some point god is going to that area is already blessed because God's housing is there, okay? God is going to come back to the area at some point anyway. Remember, God is everywhere. Now today, people are just realizing God is not just in one place. He's everywhere, okay? This man already knew that. <laughs> All right, let's move on. And he said, leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as thou knowest how we are to encamp in the wilderness, and thou mayest be to us instead of I. And it shall be, if thou go with us, yea, it shall be that what goodness the Lord shall do unto us, the same will he do unto thee. Okay? And they departed from the Mount of the Lord three days' journey, and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord went before them in the three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day, and when they went out of the camp, and it came to pass when the Ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thy enemies be scattered. And let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, notice what he said. He said, return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So don't be just with us, but go to the many thousands of other Israelites there are. See? All right, chapter 11. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. Now, I say this today because you, you have a group of people out here that think the Lord is, is, God is so good. He would not do that to us. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God, and that's, that's not his way. That's so far off the far end, it's shameful. If you're reading your scriptures right, you will see 
the Lord is really nobody to play with, okay? He said, I'm a vengeful God, okay? Here it is. He's letting you know, I'm not playing with nobody. <laughs> if you're not walking right, bam, you're gone, <laughs> okay? It's just that simple. Let's read it again. And when the people complained, all they did was complain. We got people out here today doing more than complaining. We got people killing, lying, stealing, doing all kinds of things, okay? He said, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. You know the Lord is displeased right now. He's angry as all hell. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. It's no wonder we have hurricanes. We have weird storms. We have water running over the land. We have fire coming up out of the ground. What, you think the Lord's going to stand still and not, not do anything? You think he he's changed or you just don't think that exists anymore because the son jesus christ came into existence which we won't even get into that because we, we had a conversation about that the other day uh about who jesus christ is and uh what he and the holy spirit have to do with god and i'm telling you that will blow your mind when we get into the scriptures of Christ and the Holy Spirit, we will go over that, okay? But right now, I want to concentrate on this. I want people to understand that God has not changed. He's the same as he was then. He is the same today, okay? And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched, and he called the name of the place Taborah. Because the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? <laughs> wow. We remember the fish which were, which we did eat in Egypt freely and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried, is dried away and there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was a corn and seed and the color thereof as as the color of Bethlehem. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills or beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And then the dew fell upon the camp in the night and the manna fell upon it. And then Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses also was displeased. Why? Because he had just given them um, manna to eat. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore hast thou 
afflicted thy servant. And wherefore have I found favor in thy sight that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? Have I conceived all these people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as nursing father, bearing the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their father? Whence should I have flesh to give unto all this people? For they weep at me, saying, give us flesh, we may eat. Now, so Moses is becoming weary, tired, angry himself with these people because they are just unpleasable. They want food. They got food. Now they crying because they want meat. They remembering all the good stuff, supposedly, that they had in Egypt. But they're not remembering the stuff that overwhelmed them that brought them out of Egypt. All the beatings and the murderings, the killings, the children dying, the older people dying while they were trying to make Mata. Some people were sealed up in the stones of Egypt, even till today. Um, you know, they, they're not even looking at any of that. They're just... They've gotten like most people today. They go through trials, and then when they come out of the trial and they, things pan out for them, things get good, then they forget what they just came out of. And they start whining and crying about something else. Instead of being blessed, being thankful that the Lord brought them out of what they were in, no, they want more. So then, of course, what do you think is going to happen? Okay, well, let's see. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me seven men of the elders of Israel. Seventy, I'm sorry. Whom thou knowest to be the elders of the people and officers over them, and bring, bring them into the tabernacle of the congregation, that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. And say that thou unto the people will sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Now, you're literally, literally spitting in God's eyes. You're telling God, oh, we were doing all right in Egypt. Were you? Were you doing all right, Egypt? You were crying out to the Lord, asking him to save you from all this detriment. Yet now that you've been saved, you're crying to him, telling him, because you won't feed us, you won't give us what we want, then, <laughs> then we were better off in Egypt. Okay. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, nor ten days, nor twenty days but even a whole month until it come out at your nostrils. 
and it be lonesome unto you because that ye have despised the Lord which is amongst you and have wept before him saying, why came we forth out of Egypt? Yeah, wow. <laughs> and Moses said, the people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen and thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole mouth. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the flesh of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? <laughs> now, Moses is so angry. He's forgetting this is God. So why are you questioning me? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Now the Lord's going to show him. This way you won't ask him no more because you're going to know. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the 17 men of the elders of the people and set them around about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spanked unto him and took the spirit that was upon him and gave it unto the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. Of course they didn't. Anybody knows when the spirit rests on a person, they prophesy, they cast out demons, devils come running out of them. <laughs> it's a sight to behold, people. Okay, <laughs> it's a sight to behold. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of one was Eldad, and the name of the other was Medad. And the spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out of the tabernacle. Uh, let's, but went not out unto the tabernacle. And they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and to Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. So the other men were prophesying, but they were prophesying inside the tabernacle. These two men went outside the tabernacle to the camp and started prophesying to the people in the camp. And so that's why these two young men came back in. But hey, what good is the prophecy if it isn't being heard by the whole entire camp? That's like if you go into the church and I'm prophesizing and I'm only prophesizing to the minister or I'm only prophesizing to a small group of people. That's no good. You're not reaching the masses. You need to reach the masses because they need to hear what you say. Okay. <clears throat> and Moses said unto him, even this thou for my sake, with God that all of the Lord's people were prophesied and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses scanned him into the camp and he said, and the elders of Israel, and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quail from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey one side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp. 
and as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. So you're talking a day's journey from the camp out on one side and a day's journey out from the camp on the other side was all quail and it was two cubits high. That is tremendous amount of quail or flesh as the people were crying out. And while the flesh, <clears throat> okay, and the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered 10 homers, and they spread them all about for themselves round about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, here it was chewed. The wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kibrahahathava, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kaharathava unto Hazaroth and abode at Hazaroth. Okay, chapter 12. And Miriam and Aaron uh, spanked against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Have the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses, hath he not spoken also to us? And the Lord heard it. Now, what was the situation here? Well, I guess they felt like Moses married out of his class. But we know today for certain that there is a, a tribe in Ethiopia that is part of the Israelite tribe. And more than likely, this woman that uh, Moses married knew uh, about God. And so it was, it was an even match. People don't understand today, even though we don't know um, per se who our tribe members are, God does. And so when God matches you up with someone, he matches you up with your tribe, the person that's proper for you. And that's why it's important for you to wait for your mate because you don't know, but he knows, okay? I have a friend of mine that recently uh, got married and she's well up in age. She's been waiting and waiting and waiting for years. But the match that the Lord brought her is perfect. He is in every way perfect. He, uh, he is uh, a link. Let's just say they, they link up together very well. Um, and that's what the importance is of waiting on the Lord to pick the one for you because God knows what you need, okay? And so I think that was the case here with Moses. But Aaron and his sister, which is Moses' brother and sister, didn't really like it. And they said, hath the Lord indeed spoke only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now, 
the men of Moses was very meek. So Moses is supposedly a meek man. Yeah, he already said he wasn't good at speaking. That's why the Lord brought Aaron in to speak for him. And above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of congregation. And the three came out. And the Lord came down to the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. And he said, hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold, wherefore them there will ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. So <laughs> he's telling them Moses is not a prophet, uh, a prophet. Moses deals directly with him. Moses is part of the priesthood. Okay. And so when the Lord has something to say to Moses, he comes straight to Moses' face. He doesn't speak to him in a cloud. He doesn't speak to him in a dream. He comes directly to him. Moses has seen him. Okay. There are people on this earth that have seen Christ. Okay. Or God or Holy Spirit. These people God speaks to directly does they see him all the time no but they have seen him and they do recognize his voice okay all right so this is the case with moses um and so he's really getting after miriam and and uh and and uh, uh moses's brother aaron because they were they had come out of standing Um, let's move on. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. But he's telling me he's faithful. Now, nine, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. Um, let me back up a little bit to eight. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in the dark speeches, and in the similitudes of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore, then dare ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous white as snow and aaron looked upon miriam and behold she was leprous and aaron said unto moses alas my lord i beseech thee lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned 
So he knew immediately. When does the cloud come up off the tabernacle? The cloud comes off the tabernacle when the Lord leaves. But this time the cloud came up off the tabernacle. It wasn't to leave. It was to punish Miriam for what she had said. Okay? <laughs> so they knew right then and there. They were in error. Okay. Uh, uh, and Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly and wherein we have sinned. Let her not be as one dead of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O Lord, I beseech thee. So this is Moses crying out to the Lord for his sister's sake. I mean, you don't want to see that happen to a family member. You know, you, you want to pray right away and say, God, forgive them because... Uh, you know, I, I know they didn't really mean <clears throat> mean ill. Yes, punish them for what they said, but please take that away. Okay. Uh, and the Lord said unto Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seventy day, seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. And after that, let her be receive in again so now here it is the lord saying okay she's going to be punished for seven days for what she did so apparently miriam was running her mouth a lot yes what your grandpa wants to come to your room and see you and watch tv um okay oh, um I'm taping, but okay. He's taping. Love you. Are you taping? Yes. Hello? Yes. Are you saying no? I'm saying in a few minutes I'm taping. Okay. Okay, everyone. Sorry about that. I know you heard that. <laughs> Ah, my grandchildren want to come in and see their grandma. <laughs> okay, let's, let's um, finish up. Uh, we have one more chapter to go, and then we will be finishing. I know this has been pretty long today, but this is interesting. It shows how we, as people, um, we forget and we make mistakes. And here... Uh, we are no different from any of these people, from uh, Miriam talking about her brother. You know, God says, don't gossip. You know, you got something to say. You should say it to the person and, uh, you know, hopefully it's something good. If it's something that's not good, then you shouldn't say it at all. In fact, you shouldn't even think it. You should be praying that the Lord remove it from your mind and help you to get over whatever the problem is that you have with them. Okay. Um, so let's go back now. He's going to send her out of the camp for seven days. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed, not till Miriam was brought in again. And afterwards, the people removed from Hezeroth and pitched in the wilderness of Paran. So after her punishment, 
they moved. And the Lord, now we're in chapter 13. And the Lord spake them to Moses, saying, Send out men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I gave unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness to Paran. And all these men were heads of the children of Israel. And these were their names of the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, uh, Shemu, uh, yeah, Shemua, the son of Zikor. Of the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori. Um, of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jeph. Of the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph. Of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, the son of Nun. Of the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Rufi. The tribe of Zubalim, Gadel, the son of Zadi. Of the tribe of Joseph, namely of the tribe of Mesmer. Gadai, the son of Zusi, Zusi, of the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gemali, of the tribe of Asher, Sethur, the son of Michael, of the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Voshi, of the tribe of Glad, Guel, the son of Machai, these are the names of the men which Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Oshia the son of Nun, Josiah, or Joshua, <laughs> and Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, Get up. Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood, wherein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first uh, ripe grape. So there went up and searched the land for the wilderness of Zen unto Rehob, as men came to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Ahiman, Shishai, and Talimah, the children of Anak, were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came into the brook of Eskol and cut down thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bared it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. 
The place was called the Brook Escrow, which the children of Israel cut down from thence. And they returned from scattering of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and unto the wilderness of Paran and Kadash and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them and said, We came into the land whether thou sent us and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amorites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jezebites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb still the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land for which we have gone to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak which came of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight now if you remember correctly there's a story in the bible early on we'll raise that we talked about the nephilim now you would have thought the nephilim died out in the uh, flood well, <clears throat> there is a uh, there is a lot of question about that because the giants continue to um, come forth in um, you know after the flood, and so these are. The giants that they're speaking of, you know, um, and they are telling them that these people are giants and they're not going to be able to uh, get around them. They're going to end up dying trying to get to this land. Okay, so meanwhile, you have you have one person so far speaking up and that's Khalif saying, no, that's not the case. We can overtake them. We have enough people. All right. We're going to leave it here today. Uh, and we're going to pick up tomorrow in chapter 14 to figure out just exactly 
what they plan on doing from the reports that they have received thus far, okay? All right, the question is, are they going to move forward or are they going to stand still? You know, our people have a tendency not to move forward when fear gets into place. They allow fear to overtake them. So let's just see if that be the case here. All right. All right, everyone, let's bow our heads and pray out. Heavenly Father, we give you all praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Lord, for this word that has come forth today. I pray, Almighty God, that this word has been a help to those that are listening. I know it has been a help to me as well. It's been a reminder. Father, I thank you, Almighty God, for all that you do for us. I thank you for the word that has come forth. And I ask, Lord, that you be with us throughout this day as we continue our day. And I thank you, Lord, again, for all that you're doing in our lives each and every day. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. This we pray in Jesus' name, Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. All right, everyone, this is Mr. McMillan saying you have a blessed evening and good night.